This is your morning announcement speaking. Why are you yelling? Am I yelling? I didn't yes. know I was yelling. Yes, it's oh, early. Well. Stop yelling. Okay, well. Yeah, be quiet. <clears throat> this is your morning announcement speaking. Thank you for listening to Fiddle and Pipe Podcast. If you love us so much, then please rate and review us on Apple Podcast with a five-star review. And the most amazing rating that you can ever come up with your mind. Like, I like listening to this podcast. Exclamation point. Smiley face. Heart emoji. <laughs> also, if you follow us on other streaming platforms, you can please follow and subscribe to us. That would be great. Thanks. And you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, too. That, too. And we'll read your reviews on the air. It'll be really cool. It'll be a good time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to do more for us, we would love it if y'all would donate some monies. Because you can't see my hands. They're doing like that finger rubbing together thing for money. Some monies on Anchor and Patreon. We are at anchor.fm slash fiddle and pipe. That has listener mm-hmm. support, which has three options all our monthly. And then we have Patreon, which is patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. It's a $5 per month donation, and that will give you extra content, our happy hour podcast, bloopers, outtakes, and honestly, probably more stuff in the future. We appreciate anyone who would actually donate to us, because it helps make the podcast better. Yeah, it does. Also, if you like us a lot more, we have a Facebook group called Fiddle and Pipe Forum, which is open to the public and this is where we will make announcements like new books which we will be announcing in just a moment and talking about and also just other fun things y'all get the inside scoop before the general public mm-hmm. if you want to follow us on instagram i am at cat flinch flute and i'm at bm ross music and we do need to tell you really quick this new book we're reading drops the f-bomb a few times and we drop the f-bomb a few times so Mm -hmm. if you are particularly sensitive to swearing or maybe you have little chillins listening use your own discretion otherwise we should just get right into the episode right Mm -hmm. so earmuff those bad boys and let's get reading Woo. I'm Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Blincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Hello, Fiddle and Pipe peeps. This is Brittany. And this is Kat. And we are joined again by Matt. It's your boy Matt, and I'm back because I'm black. Are we just redoing the intro that we were doing before? Yeah, I don't know. before. <laughs> Should I do the whole thing again? What happened before, Catherine? My earphones died because I didn't charge them before this. We got a whole 40 seconds into our episode. I'm totally prepared for this, you guys. Professionalism. Mm-hmm. I'm so professional. Profesh. Well, thanks for tuning in for another weekly episode of Fiddle and Pipe. As my co-host graciously said, we are joined with us today by Mr. Matthew Richards, double bassist, music teacher, 
and co-host of Mmm Conversations. Mmm Conversations. <laughs> Only talk about deliciousness over there. Do you guys eat while you're doing the podcast too? Like, mmm, this is good. We really should. <laughs> I should pitch that idea. We should just be like, mmm, we're eating food and having controversial topics. But discussions. then you'd hear people chewing and stuff and that'd be gross. I mean, you can always silence things. That's true. I chew quietly. I don't know about my co-hosts, but I don't be oh. making noise when I eat, so... Well, for our two listeners who are still listening... <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank so you anyway. for listening. We are today covering the first two chapters of our next book, which is very exciting. Yay! We're, okay, what book is I, it? We should put a little disclaimer. This is going to be some adult language, mm-hmm. if you can't handle it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm under 18. I cannot speak adultly. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> I don't think that's how sentences work either, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> Catherine, what are we reading? We are reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Matt, how many fucks do you give? I, I have none. Do you see my hands? <laughs> do you yes. see the number of fucks in my hands? Yes. Ash? That was like the longest running joke at KSU when we were there. So funny. So Matt, you read this book previously, right? I did. I read this book like four or five years ago. And I kind of read it at the perfect time because I was in a not good place in my life at the time. I had just basically just lost a job and gone through a breakup. So I was like mad at the world. Understandably so. so. But so it was like the perfect book to read. A lot of the things in it sort of stuck with me and I refer to them in my brain sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting little read. I mean, granted, I've only read the first two chapters, but I really like this book so far. I think I read up to, I have a lot of like pages that are. Yeah, that's called a book, Catherine. (laughs) I know. I have a a lot of pages just, and there's a cover on it and you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure when I started reading this, I think it was like last summer, but I was also like dealing with a lot last summer. So I read up to page 165, it seems like, but I don't really remember much about the book. I wasn't as focused. Same. But, yeah, that's my memory. Hmm. I remember little tidbits and a couple quotes from it, but I don't remember, like, a lot of the specific topics he was going into. Even just, like, skim reading the beginning chapters again. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this now. Okay. See, unlike the two of you, I've, I've never read this before. I, I think I bought it for my sister. And I was like, that's an interesting book. And we started talking about it, and I was just like, yeah, we should read it. Yeah. Yes, you should. But self-help books, I feel like a lot of them take a very similar approach, especially the more recent ones. Where it's a little bit more real. Yeah, like take responsibility for yourself type of mentality. His first chapter is called Don't Try. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put the book down. (laughs) Don't try. (laughs) All right, I'm done. How to not give a fuck. Don't try. Easy. He talks a lot about how the obsession of being more of everything is unhealthy and fake Mm -hmm. because you have to convince yourself of things it's just not natural i am that way for sure yeah not Mm -hmm. trying to be something that you're not yeah no i'm definitely the kind of person that as soon as i get into a mindset of like oh i have to do something or try something or i have to be good at something then i Mm -hmm. psych myself out for me at least it is better to just 
go in and just start doing things and whatever happens, happens. And Catherine will appreciate this, but my absolute favorite quote from any movie ever is, do or do not, there is no trial. (laughs) And I have, it's funny to say it because it's Master Yoda and he's a little green Muppet. (laughs) But, you know, there's a lot of truth when he says that. It's just like, just do it. Stop trying to psych yourself out. Just get over there and lift the starship out the goddamn, you know, Just do the thing. Yeah, just do it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I may have just played Star Wars last night, so. I appreciate that you, like me, are able to sing the song that goes with the scene. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I only know it so well because I was sitting, literally the French horns were playing it. And last night where I was playing, it was kind of cramped. The first French horn was like next to me. (laughs) I'm also playing piccolo, by the way. Oh, no. And what John Williams likes to do, especially in Star Wars, he likes to write high Bs, and in Yoda specifically, there's a moment where it's like, da-da-da, 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 and the piccolo is playing high Gs, high As, high Bs, and high Cs. Yep. And I looked at my French horn friend over there, and I was like, do you have an earplug? I'm sorry for blowing out your ears in advance. But it's a great piece. Like, I mean, I... As much as I play Star Wars, it's great. <laughs> it, every time you play anything John Williams, you're like, oh, this is why I love him. I really like that he made a point to say that you should only care about, he says, the true, immediate, and important. He says a lot of the problems that people have is that they just care about things that they don't matter. Mm-hmm. The example that he used, I think it was something like, oh, this guy cares that his favorite show was canceled and that what do you say, like a cashier shortchanged him or something, and then, like, he doesn't care that his relationship with his son is on the rocks, he doesn't care that he maxed out his credit card, and his dog hates him. It's <laughs> like, he just cares about that one tiny little thing. Yeah. It's all yeah. a matter of perspective. If you're sitting there, like, in the moment, you know, favorite show gets canceled, in the moment I'll be like, maybe, oh, that's sad. But then after a while, I'll be like, okay, well, that doesn't actually affect my life in any meaningful way. So You can always find a new show. Exactly. I think it's all about how your brain processes rewards. We're very instant gratification-based. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we're very much focused on in that. So things that happen immediately that we get a really quick reaction from, we love those. Mm -hmm. And then things that we're around constantly, such as like family, money pets if we're just using those examples of stuff you kind of take for granted i think i'm trying to think more of that perspective now more than i have been in the last couple years since i left school because i've just been so consumed in like other things and i for instance i tend to work a lot and neglect my personal relationships and Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna be very honest about it i tend to neglect them a little bit more but i try to be a little bit more aware of that now and not trying to completely neglect that because in the end my personal relationships with my family my friends my partner that matters yeah and everything else you know is kind of secondary to that so Mm -hmm. i find that working with middle schoolers has put a lot of things into perspective for me because when you're in middle school there are a lot of like little things that they care about that get under their skin so easily Mm mm-hmm and it's just like, why do you yeah. care about that? Mm. My favorite thing is when a kid will say to another kid, it's like, oh, he just called me stupid. 
And I'm like, well, are you stupid? No, I'm not. Well, then why does it matter? Like, you know you're not stupid, so why does it matter if someone else says it? Why are we making a big deal out of something someone else said when they don't know what they're talking about? Don't you miss those days? No. When you were in middle school? <laughs> no. Everything? Everything mattered. Yeah, in some ways you're like, wow, I used to care about the most random things. And nowadays I'm like, I can't. Hardly care about anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, and nowadays, ain't nothing in my hand. like The palm. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I really liked his section on the feedback loop from hell. <laughs> <laughs> the feedback loop from hell. You can take any emotion. He uses, I think, worrying, anxiety, and anger to demonstrate. Where he's just like, oh, I'm anxious about this thing. Oh, God, wait, why am I anxious? I don't know why I'm anxious. Why am I so anxious about being anxious? Oh, my God, everything's just... And then you kind of fall apart. It's the same with you get mad because you're mad. And if you have anger problems, you're just like, oh, my God, I'm always fucking mad. And then yeah. that gets worse and you punch a wall. The biggest yeah. one is guilt, I feel like. You know, you feel guilty for, I guess, example, not working or, like, not getting something accomplished when you're at home. And then you feel guilty, and then you feel bad for feeling guilty, and then you don't... Because you're get... like, I should be enjoying my time. Yeah, it's like, well, I have yeah. a day off, so I should just enjoy my time, but I should be getting stuff done, and then you just spiral, and you just... It just gets worse oh, and worse. I feel that way with social media, and I mean, oh, yeah. I'm on it a lot. I totally get why people do this, because a lot of people show the more positive things and experiences versus mm -hmm. negative, and mm -hmm. when I see a lot of these positive things, not crap like shitting on people because i'm glad that people are doing well and you know good for y'all having these great successes and stuff in your lives and working hard but sometimes when i look at stuff like that on social media i look at it and i think i'm not working hard enough i'm not doing enough i could be doing better i could be portraying myself better i could be doing this and it's exhausting and i think lately i've just been like i want to be more real mm-hmm mm -hmm. And I've done that. And do people like it? Some do, some don't. And guess what? I'm trying not to give a fuck about it. <laughs> who, yeah. who, who the fuck cares? The exactly. thing is, it can really leach into every aspect of your life, not just work. Like, if you see someone with a family, you're like, oh, why am I not married yet? Why don't I have kids yet? Yeah, yeah where's someone my kids? someone who has a house, you're like, why don't I have a house yet? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I see people who are younger than me buying cars, and I'm like, why can't I buy a car? A new car. Yeah. I see just... my, for example, my ex-girlfriend is having her second kid. And I just think to myself, it's like, I could have almost been a daddy of two if I had stayed there. It's constantly like going back and forth, like, would I have been ready for that? Or would you have wanted it? <laughs> yeah. Would I have wanted it? Even though sometimes I think, oh, I wish I was at that point in my life. But, you know, I'm just not. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. okay. And it's okay to not be there. And he talks a lot about social media in this section and in the last chapter. I love that he relates everything into, like, there's a natural reason why you have these things and why you think these things and feel these things. But mm -hmm. he says it's twisted into a negative light due to our obsession with consumer culture. We need more everything all the time. Oh, and yeah. social media. Totally have been guilty of that. It's just hard to be bombarded by positivity to the extreme and then not feel like something is wrong with your own life. I just definitely knew that... There was a problem when I started like having anxiety over everything on social media. And that's why now, I mean, I post and I engage, but I've been focusing on other things along with social media. And mm -hmm. I'm trying not to take everything so literally. 
I'm realizing that there's so many freaking opinions out there and you can't take everything to heart. I'm also realizing that you don't have to buy everything or do everything that people are doing. Now, will I support things that I see when I'm on social media? Yes. Do I have the time for everything? I do not. But I'm glad that people are out there putting themselves out there and showcasing like, hey, I, I'm creating this course. Mm-hmm. That's great. I do not have the money for that right now. I wish I yeah. did. And I used to feel bad about stuff like that a lot. And I'm like, I can't feel bad. I'm focusing on this right now. I need to focus on this. Would I like to take this course? Yeah, it would be great. But also, I don't have the time. I don't have the finances. And I can't let that consume me and take over my emotions and my mentality, really. I used to take things so literally. My mantra has become, who am I trying to impress? Every time I get up, especially if I'm going out somewhere in public, I'll be like, who am I trying to impress? Does it really matter what I look like, for example? Who's actually going to care if I show up in basketball shorts? That's just one example of where I just have to remind myself. It's like, it doesn't really matter what anyone else is thinking or saying or doing. I'm just doing what I'm going to do. And, you know, somebody's going to lose sleep over it. That's their problem and not mine. I like that because I used to think that way a lot. Especially when I first started out on Instagram. I was like, who am I trying to impress? And I used to feel like I need to impress these people that are, you know, in the music world, that are flute players, that are great. That way I can make good connections. And lately I've just been like, you know what? I'm just doing this for myself and I would rather do this for myself. And that's how I started Instagram. I did it as a personal thing. I'll share my, you know, things that I do. And I think now I'm just trying to be more open and real and not so... Like, I have to impress you. If Mm -hmm. I impress you, great. If I don't, that's fine, too. I don't care. (laughs) I'd rather just be happy with myself. (laughs) There's a quote that I wanted to read. He says, the desire for more positive experience is in itself a negative experience. And paradoxically, the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. Yes, his whole approach in this book is about a counterintuitive sort of mentality. It's turning a negative into a positive almost. Kind of going back to the inner game of music a little bit, it's sort of a mix of not being a tryhard and letting go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. But a more realistic take on it, I think. Well, yeah, because this book is not written in 1986. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have any mention of cassette tapes. I'm a little disappointed. (laughs) Uh, Wait, y'all don't have cassette tape players at your house? Just like at the ready? What? That's something you should give a fuck about, is getting a cassette player. He has three... <laughs> three principles? You mean, like, yeah. three sub subtleties? Subtleties? I don't know. How to not give a fuck. Subtleties? It's... How to be That's subtle it. about not giving a fuck. <laughs> She's over here adding letters. He says it doesn't mean indifference. It means being comfortable with being different. Don't give a fuck about adversity. You must first give a fuck about something more important than adversity. And then, whether you realize it or not, you're always choosing to give a fuck about. The overarching theme of this is choose what to give a fuck about. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry, and I wrote this down in my notes, and this is under the point number two, how the guy, like, gave a fuck about his change or something with the cashier. It just reminded me about a story I had from Pizza Hut, and I was just like, and I think about it, I'm like, why does this guy give a fuck so much? So, when I was working at Pizza Hut, 
I was a delivery driver, but I think that night I was working as the person that you see up front that gives you the pizzas and takes the phone orders and all that stuff. I remember one night I took care of this dude. He walked in, ordered two pizzas, and he spent the entire time talking to me in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And when I should have been doing other work, because I was like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, but I had to be nice, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll listen to you. The guy gets his pizzas, then he leaves. He comes back five minutes later, pissed. Like, what could have happened in this five minutes? Part of your job when you're handing people pizzas is you should show the pizza to them. Does this look good? Does this look great? Only when you're doing carryout stuff. So I showed him the pizzas, he was fine with it. He ordered a meat lover's pizza, which is of meat. He had the pizza. He's like, do you see what's in my pizza? Uh-oh. And I look at it. I don't see anything but meat. And I'm like, a meat lover's pizza? And he says, no. There is a piece of pineapple in my pizza. It was half a chunk of pineapple, by the way. And he said, how dare you put this pineapple in my pizza? Dude, I did not make your pizza. I just listened to you talk to me for the last 30 minutes. He basically was telling me the story about his daughter and how he disowned her for getting pregnant out of wedlock. So I was listening to that. I know, a very reasonable person. Oh, yeah. I was listening to that, and he was like, how dare you? And then he screamed in my face, just yelling how I destroyed his pizza. And I was like, just standing there, like, dude. I just had the longest day. I'm pretty sure I was at school before this. So mm-hmm. I'm just standing there like, what the hell? And my manager is standing there, and he's like, okay, I'm just going to make this guy a new pizza and not even, like, negotiate. Because, I mean, your options are this. We can give you a credit for the next time. We can give you a full refund, or we can make you another pizza, and you'll just have to wait. So we gave him those options. He's screaming in my face. The guy that made the pizza is just standing there like, dead as a doornail. Then he walks back to his car. I guess it was his wife's pizza. I don't know. And then he walks back, and he's yelling at me again, not really making a decision. Then his wife comes in, screaming bloody murder as well. And they want two different solutions. I think he wanted them to remake the pizza. She didn't want to wait. She wanted the credit. But they're having a full-on fight with each other. I'm just standing there. That would stress me out. So two important points here. Three points, actually. <laughs> One, I feel like they were having a fight about something else already. Mm-hmm. Don't I guess they were. <laughs> and they brought it into Pizza Hut. Number two, maybe his wife was deathly allergic to pineapple or something. I don't know. I don't know. I think I asked that, <laughs> too. He could have just said that. <laughs> like a reasonable person. I don't think she was allergic. I think I asked that, too. She just didn't want no pineapple. But the third point is a question. Was this man white? No. Oh, wow. Really? That's the no. plot twist right there. No, he was not. He oh. was black. <laughs> uh oh. Was his wife black as well? Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, no. And I've never seen them either. I don't think they were frequent customers. I think that was the first time I've ever seen him. But then he came in the next week, and I think we were just like, no, sir. We will bring the pizza out to you. And we, like, triple-checked that shit, too. Because what ended up happening is that we made him a whole new pizza... We gave him a refund, and we gave him a credit. <laughs> so, so he basically got three free pizzas. He was just so mad. I don't know what it was, but I was just standing there, and I was just like, 
we could do these options. And we just gave him all three. We were just like, take it, take it, take it, take it. That was the last time I saw that man. As a member of the Black Council, I would like to apologize on behalf of (laughs) black people everywhere. I know most of us don't like pineapple on our pizza, but we shouldn't be making a big deal out of anything like that. Personally, I think the piece of pineapple might have just been from a previous order that had pineapple on it and just got mixed in by accident with some of the other meats. I don't understand the mentality of yelling at service workers like that. They're doing the best they can with what they got, even if they're deliberately giving you a hard time or something. Look, I understand you're probably stressed about something, probably had a long day, probably ready to go home. I get it. I'm not going to fault you for that just because you gave me a little bit of attitude or something. One time I went to a coffee shop and I remember they had burritos and I was like, oh great, like I can just eat a burrito and have a latte and I'll be my lunch. It was a small shop. There was a group of these older women having a book club meeting and there were like 10 of them. The people that were working was only one person. A person was all by themselves making these orders for these ladies, trying to serve them. And I was just standing there for a little bit and I was not like mad or anything because I had time. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And I said, no, it's fine. I understand. I'm a barista myself. But when she served me the burrito, It was hot on the outside, but frozen on the inside. Uh. You know, honestly, I just ate it (laughs) because I had to go. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're just like, well, you know, it's not... I mean, you should have said something, though. It's still your money. Oftentimes, places will be nicer to you if you don't have a shit fit and if you just talk to them. And that's how I see it whenever I work, too. Like, if people are like, hey, like, can you add a little bit more sugar into my latte? Mm -hmm. That's fine. Don't yell at me and be like... It's not sugary enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, this relates to choosing what you give a fuck about. Because Mm -hmm. it's like, if you're going to make a big deal out of this, I feel like there's more productive ways to direct your feelings. Even if you are frustrated, there's no need to direct that frustration at the people. I always have to remind myself, you know, sometimes I do get frustrated in situations. I just have to remind myself why I'm frustrated. And it's not that I'm frustrated at the person per se i'm just frustrated at the situation like look i'm not gonna fly off the handle at this person i'm not gonna yell at this person i'm not gonna be snarky to this person i'm just gonna you know hey could you fix the mistake or whatever it is exactly and this brings us back exactly to this point in the chapter because he's saying that you need to care but don't care about everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to think about what you care about, because if you don't, you're gonna be one of these people flying off the handles because there is one piece of pineapple on your pizza. You only have so much energy. That's energy that can be used in more practical and helpful ways. Exactly. Gotta think about what you're gonna give a fuck about. (laughs) Exactly. I ask my middle schoolers all the time, like in 10 years, is it gonna matter that someone put a piece of pineapple on your pizza? In (laughs) 10 years, Is it gonna matter that someone called you stupid once? You gotta put it into perspective again. Instead of worrying about what this person said, you could go get your violin, practice it, and show me how talented you are, and then be like, who's stupid now? Yeah, if you're worrying about trivial shit, you need to find something bigger to care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know kids, it's harder because they're still learning how to deal with their like situations around them and their inner feelings especially when they're around middle school puberty age they're going through a lot and it's up to us to kind of direct them what to care about 
Mm-hmm. But when you see adults doing that, it's kind of shocking. Yeah, you're like, are you still in middle school? Like, I think everybody is different in their learning processes and stuff, but... Some people don't learn at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He kind of puts his thesis statement at the end of this chapter. The whole point of the book is to help put what's important in perspective. How to realize that negativity and things honestly sucking is okay and necessary sometimes and how to turn pain and trauma into powerful tools for life progress. And I was like, okay, this is real shit right here. I don't feel like I'm being worked up into something. Chapter two, happiness is a problem. Oh, being happy all the time, something that I used to do a lot when I was in high school, it just made me freaking miserable. That's the thing, you know, people always want to, like, protect your feelings or whatever, and that's like, no. No, you gotta be open with that shit. You gotta be pissed off sometimes. And if you talk about your feelings, that allows people to either help you more, or if they can't help you, they understand where you are, what you're coming from, what's going on. Yeah. I feel like at this point in my life, I'm basically an open book. Like, I'll just tell whoever, whatever. Have you guys ever had the mentality of, I just want to be pissed off for a little bit? Oh, yeah. I'm not really pissed off, but sometimes I just feel, like, moody. And I actually was talking to one of my students about this a while ago. We were talking about how... Catherine, have you felt this? Matt, you probably have felt this, too, where you're a bitch, and you know you're being a bitch, and you don't know why... And you know you're doing it, but you keep doing it. Oh, yeah. I always know why. <laughs> I do it on purpose. I've done it before, but sometimes it's also other problems like me being stressed, people taking advantage of me, me doing too much. Mm-hmm. When I start getting angry, then I just end up being angry for the rest of the day or something. I just remember one time when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I used to be really happy all the time. I was introverted, but when I was around my friends, like I was known to be silly, happy all the time. I know this is like trivial shit, but I remember I was so pissed off because it was like around Valentine's Day and I was obviously single. I'd never dated people in high school. I just had long crushes. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I just remember I was so pissed off that day. I was just not happy. I was just angry. And my friend was like, why do you care? And I'm like, I want to care! And I just remember seeing people holding their hands. I'm like, why are people holding hands in public? That's so stupid. Like, y'all suck. Y'all should just, like, get a room. <laughs> saying it out loud, like, not give a fuck. I know, you might as well just be having sex in the classroom. I was so angry. And I just remember my friend was like, Catherine, what the hell? And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm happy and fine, but I'm not. I just remember so angry that day, and I think I listened to Evanescence all day long. (laughs) Which is not a bad thing. I mean, hey, there's worse things you could be doing. There have been several days, whether I'm at school or just interacting with people, where I'm, like, extra snarky, and people Mm -hmm. can tell I'm being extra snarky, and I just have to remind them, like, look, it's none of y'all's fault. I'm just in an extra sarcastic mood today. I'm not upset at anybody. I'm just having one of those days. I'm on my man period. Sometimes I get moody. Dave and I kind of react the same to each other. When one of us is moody, usually it makes the other kind of anxious. It's like, oh, how can I help? And then the one who's moody will push that one away. And then it makes the other one more anxious. Like, oh, God, I can't help. But, oh, God, you're in a bad mood. And whenever I'm the moody one, I tell him, I'm like, you just need to give me, you know, like 30 minutes to just process this shit out of me. And then Mm -hmm. I'll be fine. 
That's a brilliant example. You need to let people know, it's like, hey, do not talk to me. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. It's like, it's not you. I just need to be pissy yes. for this amount of time. I understand your intentions. I understand you're being nice. But the way you can be nice right now is by shutting the fuck up. Leave me the yeah. fuck alone. <laughs> you know how he talks about how people experience pain and that's like a natural thing? That's what I was going to say. How suffering is biologically useful and pain teaches us what to avoid. Mm-hmm. and how to stay alive, basically. I'm just going to read this little section that he says, considering that we already talked about this topic earlier. But pain is not merely physical. As anyone who has had to sit through the first Star Wars people can tell you, Aww. we humans are capable of experiencing acute psychological pain as well. So, uh... So I don't like that quote because he dissed <laughs> the Phantom Menace. <laughs> I, I knew that Catherine would say something about that. And then when... I heard that Matt was going to be on this episode. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> we all know that The Phantom Menace is a classic film, and I don't want to hear anybody who disagrees. I mean, I'll be honest with you. As a kid, like, that movie was dope. I remember sitting in that theater. It's so badass. Like, don't even tell me. Don't talk to me about Jake Lloyd. That man was, like, eight years old. Of course he can't act. We should really do this on Patreon. We're going to have a Patreon <laughs> where... Y'all talk about Star Wars. And if you want to hear like, us talk more about Star Wars, click the link in the description. I guess I'll just drink <laughs> while y'all do it. on Patreon and listen to some Star Wars banter. Exactly. I thought about just, like, quoting that really quickly because, you know, I mean... You kind of have to acknowledge that it's there. You do. Yeah, we've all sat through times where we're like, ugh, I can't believe I'm here and this is never going to end. That's how I felt in the pizza situation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is so hard to watch. <laughs> like, I just can't. Yeah, when people who are, who are hot messes come in and you're just like, why are you putting me through this? Like, why are you making me suffer with you? Like, I really like that he has a whole section where he talks about how happiness comes from solving problems. Because I feel like a lot of people have the perception that the grass is greener on the other side. Oh, I'm going to be so much happier when I have that job oh, I'm going to be so much happier when I have more money. Or it's like, oh, when I have a baby, I'm going to feel, like, amazing. It's like, I mean, yeah, you'll feel happy when you get these things, but you're going to have new problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not always going to be happy all the time. There are too many people I talk to in my personal life that expect life to be a fairy tale. It actually does kind of annoy me because I'm a realist. And I'm like, why do you expect a prince to come out the woods and talking animals to come up and solve your problems and, you know, your sister to save you through the power of love? It's like, why are you expecting every Disney movie to happen in your life? That's kind of counterproductive to what people are trying to do with their lives. You set yourself up for automatic failures, it seems. He also says that if you avoid problems or if you don't have problems, you will be miserable. Which I feel like is important because I do know a few people who, like, their coping mechanism is to either shut down or avoid things. And, okay, so both of you. I I, I actually didn't have either of you in mind. It's okay. Just call us out. That's not my coping mechanism, but... For me, I'll be really honest. So, I've worked at this coffee shop since 2017. I work really hard. I mean, I haven't worked with you guys outside of music at all, but when I'm in a job where it involves, like, food service or something, or even, like, an office job, I am, like, 
a workhorse. Mm -hmm. And I'm very picky and particular, and that's just how I am. Where I work, we work with a lot of people that are college students because we are right next to a college. So obviously mm -hmm. it's convenient for college students to be like, oh, I want to work here, and it's just like an easy job. And I have definitely worked with people that have done jack shit. Just going to say it. And it's really, really, really frustrating. I used to just be really passive about it and not confront my problems, but I would get really stressed about it. One day my boss came up to me, and this was like pre-COVID. He said, are you frustrated? <laughs> I said, well, yes, I am. And I just let it all out. And this is like right before our shift together. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, well, this could be very awkward. He could be like, take it in consideration and stuff like that. And I think he mm -hmm. did. Then after that, I wasn't as verbal, and then finally last summer, I started working with somebody who, I'm just going to be honest with him, he was the worst person I've ever fucking worked with. He was awful. Mm. He didn't do jack shit. He was really rude to me and would mansplain everything, even though I'd been working there for longer than he had. I think he'd been working there for at least, like, almost nine months at this point. I mean, this is a dude that's, like, our age. He would go up to coworkers and do rock, paper, scissors over making a sandwich because he didn't want to make it. It's like, just make the damn sandwich, dude. Oh, this is literally your job, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I finally just exploded on this dude one day. We were working together. He was pissing me off because he wasn't doing shit when we needed to do things. And he was just mm -hmm. sitting against our ice machine, watching TikToks, thinking everything was a waste of time unless someone came in and ordered a latte. That was it. So I finally just confronted him. I mean, I was an asshole to him, I didn't care, because I think he was the worst person I've ever worked with ever. And I think it was the worst person that worked at this shop. I just did not like him. He was not a good worker. You know, other people try to validate for him, and I was like, don't. Don't even come up to me and tell me that he did work today, because I do not fucking care. The older we get, the less tolerance for bullshit we have. Exactly. If I see somebody not doing something, I think I just speak up a little bit more like, hey, can you help me do this? Or if you see this happen, like if the water container doesn't have ice in it, fill it up with ice. Take more initiative. Yeah. If you see yeah. like a table needs to be wiped down after someone leaves, wipe it down. Confrontation was never a thing of mine. I think it's because of my self-confidence and me being shy. It's always been my thing. I'm getting there. <laughs> As a master of the craft of bullshitting, I've done a lot of it in the past. So it's easy for me to tell when somebody's clearly just like, I'm just here for a paycheck or I'm just here to kill some time or whatever it is. So it's easy to sniff out now, now that I'm more mature, I guess. It's easy to spot. We just don't have tolerance for it anymore. I've been nice for way too long. That's exactly. how I kind of think about it. I grew up thinking I should be happy and nice, then I look at that in return. But what I've noticed in my life is that in some ways, yes, I have been given respect and kindness in return, but in other ways, I've definitely been taken advantage of, and I've let that happen. Nowadays, I've been trying to speak up more for myself and be a little bit more outspoken. I mean, some people don't like it, and I just have to say, it doesn't matter. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Stick out your hand. <laughs> I feel like this is the good part about these podcasts, is that we can just be like, this is me without a filter. Mm -hmm. Take it or mm -hmm. leave it. Yeah. yeah. I really like at the end of this chapter how he discusses choosing your struggle, how negative emotions are a call to action. There's something you're supposed to change or you're supposed to do something about and that you're going to have some kind of struggle or pain regardless of what you do in your life. So he's like, what pain do you want? What are you willing to struggle for? And 
putting it in those words in that context instead of asking the question what do you want out of life i think is really important yes what's worth the effort in your brain because everything is worth effort if he uses the example of marriages and having a, a gym bod right with marriages he's like Everyone wants a perfect spouse, but you need to go through the awkward silences, the fights, the struggles, the dealing with finances, the getting into someone's head, learning someone very intimately. And then if you want a good body, I mean, you need to be willing to watch what you're eating, dedicate time to working out and stuff. So I think a lot of people like the end result, but you need to like the work. You need to want the work to get the result that you want. This is kind of what is reflected in the inner game of music, too. Because he talked about, I think, was it during Will? Are we appreciating the process to the end result? That sounds like Will. It sounds like it, yeah. But, I mean, I've been thinking, I mean, ever since that book, how I come to think about it, I'm working on some auditions right now. I know it's going to take a lot of work because I'm I'm supposed to send a recording next week (laughs) to them. Yeah. But I have to kind of appreciate the process, too. It's not just the end result. And what I really like about the process right now is it's making me practice my excerpts, doing it a little bit more frequently and not being afraid of certain excerpts like uh, <coughs> Daphnis and Chloe, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking the initiative right now to not only do this audition, but I'm doing a mock audition as well, and it's making me really get nitty-gritty into these excerpts that I haven't played in a very long time. As much as I've heard and played these excerpts over and over and over again, I think like on Saturday I sat down with my cat and I watched YouTube videos of performances and followed along with the excerpt that I was working on. And I was a lot more engaged with the music. That way when I actually practiced the Mm -hmm. next day, I was like, wow. This is what it should sound like. Yeah, I'm a little bit more invested knowing what I listened to and watched yesterday. And Mm -hmm. my cat liked it too because she was purring and making biscuits the entire time, so. (laughs) The first time I played an excerpt from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, I had never heard the whole thing in context. And then after playing the whole piece and listening to the whole piece 1,600 times, now every time I play that excerpt, it's like burned into my brain. So it's like, yeah, it allows for so much more, I don't know, expression, musicality and all the terms that people like you to use. Makes them more exciting. Also, it's fun to just play the piece for fun. That's true. That's what I've been trying to do is if I'm working on an excerpt, I might as well kind of have a fun day where I can put the excerpt into context. That way, when I actually show up to the audition, I'm not so as like, oh my God, I only have to practice this one excerpt and I'm like freaked out. Because I like to get to know the piece a little bit. And sometimes that that means, and I did this a lot when I delivered pizza because I had the access to listening a lot over and over and over again the piece that way I got to know the piece and then when I did like placement auditions at KSU or even at school here in my grad school like I just knew the piece a little bit well and I felt better and I felt more engaged and not like I have to do this because I have to be an ensemble this quarter mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to shout out at the very 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 end of this chapter you remember when I said that you need to want the work to get the result you want His analogy for that was he wanted to be a rock guitarist. He wanted to, like, be up on the stage and throw his hair around and have everyone love on him. But he realized along the way it just wasn't worth the effort between, like, saving enough money to get the equipment, driving to gigs, trying to find gigs. 
He lists a bunch of stuff. And I was like, okay, this is literally a direct example of what we do. It is. He said that you need to want to live the starving artist's life to be a successful artist. Mm-hmm. I like literally read it and I was like, I feel this right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's true though. <laughs> if you're kind of have your foot in part way, you're not going to get there. Yeah. You're not going to be successful. If you're not willing to put the work in, you're not going to get there. It's that age old quote, like, it is not the destination so much as the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah kind of see that whenever I get students sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to practice. I'm sure that I mean, y'all same. have experienced this. <laughs> I've experienced it personally too, but sometimes I get students where they automatically think, and I freaking hate this too when people do this. I hate it when teachers assign kids flute because it's easy. It's not an easy instrument. It's not. Just there, There's no de facto easy instrument. Mm-mm. No, I had a hard time. I thought when I first got the flute that I was immediately going to make a sound. No, did not do it for a very long time. I was terrible at it, and it took me some work to really find it, and I did it. But I think a lot of kids assume because they their teacher says, oh, it's easy. They assume it's easy, and I'm like, it takes a little bit of work, and it sucks because especially when I have a beginner and they're not getting it one thing right away I can see the frustration in their expression and I'm like let's just like take a a, a chill pill for a second like everybody goes through these struggles everybody is different with their process like you just gotta work at it a little bit just focus on this one aspect on the other hand you got the students that think they know what they're doing already any little criticism you give them they just don't even take it they don't want to hear it they don't take it they don't want to hear it even if it's something small like hey, your bow is not straight. Your sound would be twice as good if your bow was straight. And then their bow is just pointed towards the floor again. And it's yeah. just like, okay. Well, I also have students that listen to recordings of pieces that they're working on. They tell me, oh, I'm so frustrated because I can't play along with this recording. And I'm sitting there and I'm I look at the recording, I'm like, well, this is a very fast recording. You literally just started this piece. <laughs> it's kind of just like, in order to get to where you want to be, if you want to play with that recording, you got to work at it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to mm-hmm. take an overnight thing. And I always have to, like, remind some people about that. And I have to remind myself, too, because sometimes if I've, like, practiced a piece, the Iber Flute Concerto, which is known to be a very hard piece, I used to know it very well because I spent every single freaking day for months working on this piece but if I got to it now I probably wouldn't be able to play it immediately like that Mm -hmm. like as fast as I did I know I don't have to work at it and I've seen that with other old pieces that I used to play even symphony like pieces I played with orchestras like yeah I used to play this before when I was a freshman in college but does that mean I'll have it up to speed today no Mm -hmm. yeah you gotta work work hard (laughs) you better work bitch work bitch the end of the chapter of the happiness he says see it's a never-ending upward spiral and if you think at any point you're allowed to stop climbing i'm afraid you're missing the point because the joy is in the climb itself and then immediately miley cyrus came into my head thank you i was about to say it's the climb (laughs) yes y'all are the same person (laughs) yeah this is now our podcast matt and cat by Brittany. (laughs) bye bitch (laughs) so we're fiddling (laughs) bass fiddle I mean, you could just be fiddle and play. You have to change our logo, though, because you got their logos and... Big-ass, big-ass fiddle and pipe. 
Matt, where can we find you? You can find me on mmm, that's three M's, conversations. And I believe if you go on Facebook, uh, there's two underscores. Don't know why. I think they didn't like the fact that there was a space in it, so they made us put underscores. So, <laughs> so yeah, but we're on Facebook at mmm, conversations. And then, of course, we're on Spotify and Google Podcasts and the things. Mm, conversations with your boy Matt, your boy Tim, and Megan will be back for not our next episode, but the episode afterwards, because she's been out of town. Nice. Nice. Well, y'all should check it out. It's a great podcast. I mean, I've listened to it. I 10 out of 10 would recommend. It's really good. I really like y'all's conversation. (laughs) I like it too. This this past episode, we talked about uh, Juneteenth and the history. So if you don't know anything about Juneteenth. Really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As most people don't. So. I also Mm -hmm. didn't know anything about Juneteenth. (laughs) I didn't know anything about Juneteenth as much. I read some stuff about it, but I don't think it was as descriptive. It was never brought up in school ever. So. Yeah, I don't think I ever had it brought up to me in school. So we're educating people. We believe that is an important thing to do. So join us over there. Thank you all for listening, for spending, what, like an hour of your day with us? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, an hour. I got an hour and ten minutes on the thing. Yeah, and we'll edit it down, or I'll edit it down. Well, this has been a great. We will see you yeah. all next week for chapters three and four of The Subtle Art of Not Giving Fuck. Yeah, thanks guys. Hopefully you like my velvety voice. I'll be back sometime in the future. Yes, it will be great. All right, Mm -hmm. until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.